Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 8, Episode 8, A City Divided. Before we begin today's episode in earnest, I have a brief announcement. There will be no new podcast episodes next week. Next Thursday is the Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States, and I will be celebrating with my family. Episodes will resume their normal schedule on November 28th. With that said, let's begin. In the spring of 1352, the fortunes of the southern court had drastically improved. Ashikaga Tadayoshi's death and the formal submission of his brother Takauji were both watershed events which legitimized the Daikaku line of succession and attracted powerful samurai clans to their cause. While it was true that Takauji had no intention of practically submitting to the leadership of the southern court, by seeking their permission to raise an army against his brother, he had granted them a sort of legitimacy. Kitabatake Chikafusa continued to provide practical leadership of the Kuge serving the southern court, and he sought to immediately take advantage of the situation while conditions were favorable. Not content to wait for Takauji to return from Kamakura with his army, the southern court partisans decided to take the initiative and execute a two-pronged attack that simultaneously struck Takauji in the east and his son Yoshiakira in Heian-kyo. We'll start in the east. Although Tadayoshi's coalition had been defeated in battle, those who survived joined an army led by Nita Yoshimune and other members of the Nita clan. Yoshimune was a son of Yoshisada, and he aggressively pursued Takauji's forces, defeating them in minor skirmishes on several occasions. They managed to seize Kamakura early on, and continued to harry the Bakufu troops. These successes made the Loyalist army overly confident. At Fuefuki Toge, which means Flute Players Pass, the Bakufu army managed to gain the upper hand and put Yoshimune and his army to flight. They met with similar successes against other Nita-led armies in the area, and although it took some time, Kamakura and most of Kanto were back in the shogunate's hands. Meanwhile, in Heian-kyo, Ashikaga Yoshiakira was growing increasingly nervous about the rather large body of troops which appeared to be escorting Emperor Go Murakami on his leisurely journey to the capital. He made preparations to ease the passage of troops out of the city in case he needed to retreat, including widening the Seta Bridge so that it could accommodate more people. As the emperor and his army drew near, Yoshiakira tried to extract some kind of promise from them that they were not intending to attack him, but messengers returned with only vague imperial platitudes. Finally, in early April of 1352, three loyalist armies attacked Heian-kyo simultaneously, and Yoshiakira quickly saw that withdrawal was his only option. After skirmishing with the army led by Kitabatake Akiyoshi, Yoshiakira led his troops across the Seta Bridge and abandoned the capital to the Loyalists, who soon took up residence. The day after the capital was secured, the northern court emperors, who were all now retired, and former Crown Prince Tadahito were detained under armed guard and eventually sent to Anau, 
where the southern court had formerly fled after Ko Moronao's army drove them from Yoshino. Now that they had captured the capital, however, they needed to find a way to keep it. Yoshiakira's defeat was not a crushing rout, and he regrouped his forces in Omi province, while calling upon local chieftains loyal to the Bakufu to send fresh troops. By the end of April, only 20 days after leaving Heian-kyo, Yoshiakira's forces struck for the capital. It was a strategic attack, and the young Ashikaga leader was confident of success. Kitabatake Akiyoshi did not have enough troops to both protect the strategic inroads into the capital and continue keeping order in the city itself. As a result, Yoshiakira's army breached the defenses after two days of fighting and quickly took up positions in the few parts of the city that conferred a strategic advantage. Yoshiakira pursued the fleeing loyalists throughout the province of Yamashiro, cornering them on a mountain called Otokoyama after a month of intermittent fighting. After enduring isolation and occasional skirmishes on Otokoyama for two weeks, the loyalists there decided that they had to risk running the siege lines. Emperor Go Murakami was allegedly dressed in armor and given a horse to ride whose saddle had a small basket attached in which was hidden the imperial seal. The loyalists successfully broke through the Bakufu lines and made their way back to Anau. Although the Bakufu had successfully retaken the capital in the summer of 1352, it would soon fall back into loyalist hands in July, and Ashikaga Yoshiakira's plans for retaking the city were complicated by an enormous legitimacy problem. Every northern court emperor and their crown prince were guests of the southern court. The regalia itself, whether it was truly counterfeit or not, had been taken by Emperor Go Murakami as well. In the fall of 1352, it was decided that Prince Iyahito, a younger brother of former Crown Prince Tadahito, would be enthroned as the next Tenno. He is remembered as Emperor Go Kogon. His elevation is considered one of the most irregular in Japanese history, as it was performed without the imperial regalia and outside the confines of Heian-kyo as well. Later Japanese historians would consider all of the northern court emperors illegitimate pretenders, partly because of incidents like this. In early 1353, Yoshiakira concluded that retaking the capital was out of reach for the northern court partisans at the moment. He had a duty to keep the newly minted northern court emperor safe, regardless of his own reservations about his elevation, so he decided to seek a more secure location. After a harrowing journey into Mino province, which is on the western edge of Chubu near Kansai, Yoshiakura chose a place called Tarui as the new location of the northern court. Because his father Takauji was still dealing with anti-Bakufu factions in Kanto, Yoshiakura took it upon himself to lead a regional recruiting effort, traveling to nearby provinces and urging the Bakufu allied samurai therein to come and aid the shogunate's cause. He also dispatched correspondents far and wide which proved incredibly effective. At this point, the samurai clans who had supported the Bakufu were in real danger of losing the legitimacy of their land and title claims because of the southern court's resurgence. Thus, they enthusiastically sent massive reinforcements to Tarui. 
The southern court was wise to these developments, and they dispatched some of their most influential generals to try and intercept these incoming armies on their journey to the heart of Kansai, especially those coming from Chugoku. However, it appears that the Bakufu allies were extremely well coordinated because they repulsed these attacks and even forced the loyalist warbands to flee back to the capital as Yoshiakura rallied his new army in nearby Omi province. The shogunate's army took the capital in late August of 1353, and the loyalists fled before their advance. Many returned to Anau, but others went to their compatriots in Kawachi, and there did not yet seem to be a firm plan of organization and counterattack. In September, Ashikaga Takauji finally journeyed west from Kamakura and stopped in Tarui to pay respect to the new northern court emperor. Yoshiakira likewise made a sort of pilgrimage to Mino province to do likewise, and then both Ashikaga leaders escorted Emperor Go Kogon to Heian-kyo, arriving in mid-October of 1353. The northern court would hold on to the capital this time for about a year. By the fall of 1354, however, a new southern court army assembled under the leadership of Yamana Tokiuji and our old friend Ashikaga Tadafuyu. In the previous episode, Tadafuyu had been pushed out of Chugoku and took shelter among the shogunate's enemies in Kyushu. Yamana Tokiuji was the leader of the Yamana clan, and in the opening phases of the Nambokucho War, he had sided with the Bakufu. His clans had deep roots in Kanto, but they had been awarded estates in Hoki province in Chugoku, where they relocated. During Tadafuyu's flight from the Koh brothers' punitive expedition, the Yamana renounced their association with the Bakufu, and this reversal set off a chain reaction among many clans of Chugoku, especially in the north, who likewise declared themselves enemies of the shogunate. It was in the spring of 1354 that Ashikaga Takauji sent correspondence to the Shimazu clan of southern Kyushu, ordering them to attack Tadafuyu. Meanwhile, Ashikaga Yoshiakira took command of a punitive force dedicated to subduing rebellious elements in Kansai, traveling from province to province with the intention of smoking the rebels out of their nests. However, Tadafuyu and his forces traveled to Kansai in order to support Yamana Tokiyuji, who had requested his aid against Yoshiakira. The shogun's son met with great difficulty against this new coalition, which was composed not only of southern court partisans, but former allies of Tadayoshi. Things became so difficult for the northern court that by the end of 1354, Takauji was arranging yet another evacuation as Tadafuyu and Tokiuji prepared to lead their new alliance into Heian-kyo. In early 1355, Long after the northern court emperor Kogon and the Bakufu had departed, the southern court loyalists once again took up residence in the capital. One member of the southern court who would not enjoy retaking the capital was Kitabatake Chikafusa, who died in 1354. The back-and-forth possession of Heian-kyo was one of the defining features of the Nanbokucho era. It is certainly worth noting how simple possession of the old capital was no longer the prestigious accomplishment which it had been in previous times of civil strife. 
the constant trading of the capital led to some interesting developments in samurai behavior toward property. You may recall that when the Ashikaga alliance took the capital from Emperor Go-Daigo, they gleefully burned the mansions of enemies like Kusunoki Masashige. While at the time this sort of triumphal gesture may have felt like a final insult, it no longer made sense in a world where this year the Bakufu controls the capital, but last year the Loyalists held the city, and next year, who knows? Instead of engaging in such wanton destruction, it became far more common for rivals to simply seize the residences of their enemies and use them as their own home in Heian-kyo. In the book The Origins of Japan's Medieval World, the late historian H. Paul Varley's chapter Cultural Life of the Warrior Elite gives some fascinating insights into the behavior of the samurai of the 1300s. He relates a particular incident which occurred in 1361 in which, after yet more back-and-forth possession, Kusunoki Masanori was ordered to seize the capital. Being completely aware that he would be forced to flee, the samurai Sasaki Do-yo decorated his home, filled the larder with food, and ordered two of his servants to stay behind and serve whomever took up residence in the home after he was gone. Sasaki Do-yo's mansion was occupied by none other than Kusunoki Masanori himself. Not to be outdone, the southern court general felt compelled to return Doyo's gesture of hospitality. When, only a few weeks later, the southern court once more abandoned the capital as the northern court organized an avenging army, Masanori left the larder even more well-stocked than when he encountered it, and also offered Doyo a fine suit of armor and a bejeweled sword in return. As it regards our narrative history, the northern court retook the capital in April of 1355 and held it for a few years while the southern court recuperated. Ashikaga Tadafuyu returned to western Chugoku and largely disappeared from the histories. His biological father, Takauji, struggled to both rebuild the largely burnt-out and desolate capital as well as rebuild any administrative capabilities of the Bakufu itself. In 1358, as he was on the verge of planning a fresh excursion into Kyushu and crushed the anti-Bakufu resistance which still lingered there, Takauji fell extremely ill and was diagnosed with some kind of cancerous tumor. He died in June that year at the age of 54. There was little question that Takauji's son Yoshiakira would become the shogun upon his father's passing. Yoshiakira had been clearly groomed for the role, and in late 1358 he was officially installed as the next Sei Tai Shogun, at the age of 28. Now that he was in the driver's seat, he chose to chart a slightly different course than his father, though his goal of ultimately removing the southern court was still the destination. The plans for an invasion of Kyushu were put on hold for the moment, in favor of striking his more immediate rivals directly, a plan which would now be easier since the southern court was much closer to the capital than it had been previously. Shortly after Chikafusa's death in 1354, the southern court had relocated their capital from Anau in the south to Amano in Kawachi province, which lies just south of Yamashiro, where Heian-kyo sits. The temple of Kongoji was used as the new imperial residence, 
and the imprisoned retired sovereigns of the northern court had been brought there as well. They managed to escape from the confines of the temple, however, and made their way back into the protection of the Bakufu. Yoshi Akira sent his younger brother Motouji, whom he had appointed as Kanto Kanrei, the shogun's deputy in Kanto, to gather an army in the east of reliable warriors and bring them to the capital. By early 1360, the army had long since arrived, and a plan was hatched. Yoshiakura would lead a force south into Kawachi province, while another army led by a general of the Hatakayama clan would attack loyalists in Setsu province, which lies west of Yamashiro and north of Kawachi. Incidentally, he targeted the loyalist encampment at Shijo Nawate, the same place where Kusunoki Masatsura and his brother Masatoki had died in battle in 1348. Sensing the danger, the southern court relocated to Kanshinji Temple, which was a family temple where the Kusunoki clan buried their dead. The defense effort was led by Kusunoki Masanori, who arranged for the occupation of a defensive line of forts in the area while taking up residence in Akasaka Fortress. Observant listeners may remember that Akasaka Fortress was famous for holding out against a Hojo army for ten weeks during the Genko War, which gave the loyalists of the day time to organize an offensive and convince the Bakufu's generals to defect. This time, however, the defensive forts fell to the Bakufu one at a time until only Akasaka Fortress remained. We don't fully understand the motivations behind what happened next, but it appears that Kusunoki Masanori departed Akasaka with his army in June and no one gave chase or even tried to stop him. It's possible that Yoshiakira hoped to eventually recruit Masanori, whom everyone knew had been frustrated by the southern court's vacillation and internal bickering, but we don't really know for sure. Yoshiakira and the Bakufu army returned to Heian-kyo in the summer of 1360 in triumph. The excursion was, by most measures, a smashing success. During the course of the invasion, many southern court loyalists abandoned the cause and swore fealty to the shogunate instead. However, there were some lingering internal problems with the Bakufu which had only been exacerbated by Takauji's death and Yoshiakira's elevation. Amid the administrative and military reshuffle, some longtime supporters felt they had been marginalized in favor of the unworthy, and often younger, samurai who had replaced them. This sparked petty feuds between the Bakufu supporters, which overshadowed the opportunity which the northern court now had to finalize their victory. These feuds led to fresh recruitment efforts for the southern court, who scooped up some high-profile defectors in the wake of their recent defeat. Among the influential samurai who now swore allegiance to Emperor Go Murakami was the general Nitsuki Yoshinaga, who now aided southern court partisans who were resurging in Kanto. The Hatakayama clan rushed with most of the Kanto army back to Kamakura, both as an objection to Yoshiakira's favoritism and in the interest of protecting their property from the emboldened loyalists there. The new shogun even managed to alienate Hosokawa Kiyoji, who fled south and swore allegiance to the southern court in 1361. 
It was he who urged the Southern Court to mount an attack later that year, which led to the incident we previously discussed regarding the trading of residences. The seizure of the capital by the Loyalists in late 1361 was reversed less than three weeks later, which was the final time the Southern Court army would occupy the old capital. Kusunoki Masanori, who disagreed with mounting the incursion in the first place, is said to have lost heart entirely for the Loyalist cause at this point and decided to seek a diplomatic solution instead. During the six years of tense standoff after 1361, he tried to open a dialogue between the two courts. In 1367, he managed to initiate a secret communication between ranking members of the Southern Court and Bakufu representatives led by Sasaki Doyo. However, the Southern Court representatives made outlandish demands and acted as though it was the Bakufu who were requesting peace and not themselves. The shogunate ambassadors withdrew from the negotiation angrily, and Masanori was once more disappointed by his side's utter rigidity and impracticality. In early 1368, Ashikaga Yoshiakira died. His son Yoshimitsu was made shogun, but because he was only ten years old at the time, a regency was arranged. Hosokawa Yoriyuki had already been made the shogun's deputy in Heian-kyo, and he swore to help young Yoshimitsu and to govern wisely in his stead. Yoriyuki is the first to hold the office of Kyoto Kanrei, or shogun's deputy in the capital, a role previously filled by the Shitsuji. Although he would serve as the primary leader of the Bakufu for only six years, Hosokawa Yoriyuki deserves some special attention here because he was arguably the most able administrator of his age. He seems to have been motivated by a genuine desire to bring stability to the realm and did not act purely from ambition or vanity. His reputation as a fair-minded administrator was so well established by this time that he was actually selected as Kyoto Kanrei and thus as regent by a council of his peers. You may have noticed that we have devoted most of our time so far this season to campaigns and battles. This is because Takauji did very little in the way of actual governance, and Yoshiakira likewise was consumed with battlefield success against his enemies, and thus actual administration languished. Hosokawa Yoriyuki was the man who made the Kemmu Shikimoku, the founding document of the Ashikaga shogunate, into the actual enforced law of the land. As we've discussed previously, the Kemmu Code was more of a set of principles than an actual code of law, but Yoriyuki did his best to apply those principles. The Code was especially concerned with curtailing the spread of Basara, which more or less means excessive and wasteful love of fads. Fancy bejeweled sword hilts, personal jewelry, and the exchange of New Year's gifts were all forbidden by Yoriyuki in the interest of encouraging frugality among the warrior class. Wary of the jealousy that might erupt from his occupation of the office of Kyoto Kanrei, Yoriyuki proposed a rotation system of office holders in which his clan would hold the office for the moment followed by the Shiba clan and then the Hatakayama clan afterward before reverting to the Hosokawa. This satisfied his ambitious colleagues in those clans and ensured their loyalty during the regency and beyond. 
One samurai who was particularly impressed by Yoriyuki's leadership was Kusunoki Masanori. Having grown disheartened at the southern court's senseless belligerence, Masanori decided in 1369 to defect to the northern court, a move which shocked his fellows in the south who denounced him as a traitor. I think we can safely assume that Kusunoki Masanori was more likely motivated by practicality than by some imagined avarice or hatred of the southern court. I tend to imagine that he asked himself what absolute loyalty had ever done for his family besides grant early graves to his father and brothers. Under Yoriyuki's leadership, the Bakufu became a government in more than just name. Author and historian George Sansom wrote of him, The government under his guidance was stern and just, and unruly vassals were subjected to a discipline not unlike that of the Hojo Regency in its prime. Indeed, it is thanks to Hosokawa Yoriyuki's governance that, in 1374, young Ashikaga Yoshimitsu would inherit not only a formidable military regime, but a fully functioning government administration that collected taxes, distributed justice, and kept corruption in check. Next time, we will explore the life and career of Ashikaga Yoshimitsu, who took Bakufu governance to new heights, ended the Nanbokucho War, and even gave the Muromachi period the reason for its name. Until then, thank you for listening. If you would like access to exclusive bonus episodes, as well as ad-free versions of the regular episodes, please consider supporting this podcast at patreon.com slash ahistoryofjapan. Thank you.